Hello, I would like to report an escape. Yeah, yeah. You see, there's this manuscript that I've been working on for like 10 years, and it seems to have gone wild. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's out now. Like, the first chapter is online, and it's available to read on my website. What do you mean it can't be pulled back? So people are just going to be able to read it now? And I'm going to have to finish writing it. Okay. Well, I guess that's going to be the sort of thing I'm going to have to talk about on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writers, Eid Dorset, and yeah, I did it. I did it. I warned you all that I might do it. I told you that I was going to do it. I announced it on the YouTube channel that it was going to happen. I sent copies of the chapters, a couple a couple chapters, out to beta readers to get some feedback, and I did it. I did it. It's published. Not the whole book, but the first chapter. And I am horrified. <laughs> I am mortified. Not because I don't think it's a good book. Not because I'm embarrassed by the contents of the book. But because I've never done anything quite like this before. I've thought about doing it a lot. But I've never dipped my toe into the world of web novels releasing chapters regularly and all of that. And I am absolutely freaked out <laughs> at the prospect of doing this. But yeah, if you go to the uh, show notes of this episode, you will find a link to go read Dance the Ghost, book one, Shatter Me, chapter one, now live, now live up on the website. Hopefully I squashed all the bugs in it. I was, I've been, uh, I've been editing and writing and rewriting and editing and revising and <laughs> this book for so long, this story for so long that it really does feel like it escaped more than I'm push, pushing a publish button. So I hope, I hope you like it. I hope you like it. So what I wanted to do with today's episode is kind of talk about the book and what you can expect from me going forward with this. Because this is a character that has been in my head for a very, very long time. This is a story that has been in my head for a very, very long time. And I have gone through numerous permutations of it. I have devised various schema for how it could play out. I have written and rewritten and written and rewritten and written and rewritten so many drafts, so many versions. In fact, the character's surname has changed so much over the years. I have to look up and see which one I ended up deciding on because it's locked in. 
I don't know why this book in particular I have such a perfectionist streak about, because I've been able to publish other stories and let go of other stories and put them out into the world. But this one, this one is special to me in a lot of ways that I don't fully understand, but that I hope to explore with you all over this process of getting it out into the world so that people can actually see it. I'm thrilled. I'm excited. And I am mortified, but it's done. <laughs> it's done. I, I've, I've, I've done it. And yeah, I, I feel like this announcement should be a lot more professional and polished and clean, but I just Wanted to hit record immediately after having done it so you would all get my uh, raw reaction to it. Because, yeah, this is pretty much it. Dance the Ghost is a uh, Magipunk space opera that I have been tooling around with for a very long time. It is set in my Barons and setting, so if you have read shine like thunder or like the liquid sky books or fates harrow then you are kind of familiar with the kinds of things that you're going to be seeing here but it is sci-fi in the tradition i guess you would say of classic space opera all the way back to like the flash gordons and all that there there's magic there's sword fighting there are spirits that inhabit the world's I've explained it to some people over the years by saying it's like Star Wars if it was cranked up to 11. Because it's not just about the Force, it's not just about the Jedi, because my inspirations, unlike George Lucas's, which came primarily from Jedi Geki fiction out of Japan, dealing with the samurai and all of that, a lot of my inspirations actually come from the Chinese wuxia genre, where you have the wuxia pen films, so your Legend of the Condor Heroes, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragons, all of that. So my setting, my world, is a lot more magical, with a lot more sword fighting, with a lot more secret societies rummaging around in the underworld. And I like it that way. Dance the Ghost, like many of the books that I work on in this setting, will take place primarily in this galactic underworld, the Uru, the Urugal, the place unseen by most people, the place unseen by most polite society, but where a lot of the actual work of the galaxy really gets done. They masquerade as pirates, bounty hunters, escort societies. There are duelists. All those wonderful tropes that I just absolutely love from the wuxia genre, but brought into this very Magipunk space opera world. So what is Magipunk? You might be asking <laughs> my disembodied voice right now. Magipunk is any fiction where Everything relies on magic. Like Magic is not a afterthought, and it's not really something special. Magic is everything. So it powers a lot of the spacecraft, 
and is a fairly regular part of life in society. I like to think of this as like Final Fantasy VII. When I try to explain Matchpunk to people, that's kind of the easiest go-to that I can that I have because a lot of people have either played the game or seen the movie Advent's Children or any of the surrounding material around it. To me, that's kind of an easy entry into Magipunk in that, yes, there's going to be technology and magic and they're all going to be coexisting together, but it's not seen as unnatural. And that's one of the other things that really differentiates my settings from something like a Star Wars where only the chosen few have access to the Force. Yeah, no, magic is kind of everywhere, and it depends on how people use it. And I I interpret the idea of magic quite liberally, in that some of the things that give the appearance of magic are technologies that are just highly advanced, some of them are natural biological gifts, and others are actual magic. Like, there are witches in this setting. (laughs) So... That's something to look out for. It is a strange hodgepodge of things all coming together in a confluence that I absolutely love. And I think that more than anything is what has paralyzed me about setting it out into the world for so long. Because I don't know how many people like myself like to have magic in their space and spaceships. But to me, I like the idea of dragons and spaceships and magic all kind of coexisting together. So, yeah. This story in particular follows an escaped slave, Avame Dar, and her journey of self-discovery as she enters the galactic underworld on her own for the first time. So who is Avame Dar? Avame is a Skirian who is one of the most tragic species that I have written up in a very long time. Their homeworld, much like the Earth of old, was conquered a long time ago, and they were scattered to the winds. They don't have a home anymore, and many of them are sold into slavery. The reason for this is piloting your way through hyperspace can be expensive and can be dangerous. But see, the Phaeacians, the Scarians, they have what appear to be horns on the top of their head that are actually crystalline structures that allow them to feel the subtle vibrations of hyperspace. They know where they are at all times. They have a very strong sense of location, so even If they fall into hyperspace, even if they're traveling through the craziness of hyperspace, they know where they are and how to get back out. It's almost impossible for a Skirin to get lost. And so many of them are abducted as children and plugged into machines to basically act as living computers, to keep people moving, to keep commerce flowing. To some, they are little more, well, to a lot of people, they are little more than component parts that make ships run. Avame was spared this fate, 
but not by an altruistic leader or reason. She was bought by Yungar Rath, the leader of the Kofra Jinn, who used her as a pawn in his games. He used her as a prize to be sold to the highest bidder, to be offered out as a plaything so that he could distract people, gain secrets from them, gain influence over them. She was a slave, and she had to do whatever her master told her to do. And that's how we meet Ava in the story. That's how we encounter her for the first time. Being forced to dance for the entertainment of some of Wrath's guests so that they can conduct business without really being noticed. She is a distraction, and she knows it. Her character is one of the most difficult ones that I've ever tried to write. One of the hardest ones for me to really wrap my head around and be able to express in a way that I feel is right, because her traumas, her like her life experiences have hardened her. Her training has taught her to shut herself off from her emotions so that she can do the things that are required of her. But I don't want her to come off as an automaton. I don't want her to come off as a robot. And that's a really tricky thing to write. It's really, really difficult because if the reader sees her simply as that cold, calculated creature that Wrath intended her to be, then in the grand scheme of things, that means he won. In the grand scheme of things, that means that he actually controlled her to the point where she is nothing but the instrument that he sculpted. But she is that instrument and her own person. And it's really difficult for me to walk that line in writing her and show her thoughts, to show her experiences and to filter them through her mind. And I think that's one of the main reasons it's taken me so many drafts to get to this point and why I'm just pushing it out there because I can get feedback now. I can find out what you all think of her because I love her and I think she's rather spiffy, but only time will tell what others think of her. But she's not the only character that I've had for a long time that's going to make an appearance in this book. Knight is another character who appears in this story. And Knight goes back to the very first novel I ever wrote. He's one of two characters that I, well, three actually, that I rescued from that very first novel that I wrote back in middle school. And these characters do resemble somewhat the characters that they did in that original book, but they have been developed and fleshed out and 
really become characters because <laughs> the first book I was in middle school I didn't know what I was doing and uh, it shows but they were brothers so it's Ashen, Toon, and Knight and if you've read the Liquid Sky books then you've met Ashen and Toon they're characters in there this is their youngest brother Knight and I absolutely love his character and his relationship with his brothers and tried desperately to fit him into the Liquid Sky books, but he just didn't fit. He just didn't fit. I almost added him into the uh, Shine Like Thunder book when I was working on it. He was, he was originally going to be taking Moroku's place, and then I realized that no... No, he doesn't fit in this book either. He does, on the other hand, fit quite well into Shatter Me. His backstory, which I am working on a novella, novelette, it's going to be a short, it's not a short story, it's longer than a short story, but not a novel. It's just his backstory, kind of his origin story, that I'm probably going to finish next and have it actually come out in total so that y'all can re read about him and get to know him some but he is a hunter he is a member of the Ifrian Tan and he is not going to be easy to write either mainly because of all of the iterations of him that's one of the reasons why I went back to do a novelette about him in particular and that's what's been hard about this story is I have not just versions of this book, but I have short stories and novelettes and novellas and just piles of notes about the various characters, their arcs and what have you. Knight is a character that I have loved for a long time. He was actually the main character in that book that I wrote in middle school, that very first book that I wrote. And I have loved him ever since, ever since. And getting him into this book, because he fits so well into the Ifrian Tan that it is almost upsetting that I hadn't thought of the Ifrian Tan sooner. But it takes events in your life to inspire events in your story sometimes. And that's how I got to where I am today, the Ifrian Tan are known throughout the galaxy as bounty hunters, but they are far, far more than that. They are guardians of a very secretive religious sect, and they work on behalf of the goddess of fate. So they serve Norcia who you may remember from the Fates Harrow books, who did so much havoc in our characters' lives over there. And seeing exactly how he is going to play into this story, I've tried not to give spoilers. That's the hardest part about trying to talk to you all about this, is not giving spoilers. Seeing how he's going to pay, play into the story with Thanquin and Swan, who are also going to be appearing in this which I am so excited about. I actually got to debut them in a tabletop version of the story that I played through with some friends of ours before the, the happening this year. 
I, I have a feeling you're going to love these three characters and that they're really going to be something special going forward. And I'm just happy to be able to finally share him with the world. Because that's kind of what this whole project is. is These are characters that I've held privately for so long that finally, just finally, I'm going to be putting out there for everybody to get to know. The third character that I really should introduce to you all is Akato Watwuk. Akato is a character that needs to be in Ava's life. And yes, I said Ava. I usually call her Ava or, yeah, Ava. I, I, I say all three because I know other people are going to say all three. And I try to prepare myself for that. Akato is a Masak. And the Masak are giant monstrous hulking creatures and if you know anything about me and this is not going to be a surprise because you're going to find this out like the moment you meet Akato Akato is a monster with a heart of gold because you know I love me a monster with a heart of gold and I like seeing the story through his eyes because they're so different from everything else he comes from a species that is much more uh, let's say warrior oriented that's much more about fighting and control and he, he's he appears to be a brute but he has a much more strategic mind than most of the other characters that we're going to meet in the story and so that makes it really fun to try to perceive the world from this point of view of a character that kind of looks at the world like a chessboard. I think that might be a, the best analogy I can give. It's like, imagine if Sherlock were a giant hulking brute who could crush people and tear people apart with his bare hands. That's kind of the character, except for he also has a sense of humor, unlike Sherlock, because I don't like the idea that strategic people are always serious. That That's a big problem for me in a lot of fiction, that we allow our characters to fall into stereotypes that ah, limit the way the characters can be portrayed. And Akato is one of those characters that really breaks a lot of those limits. He is giant, hulking, huge, and stealthy. He is easily able to sneak in and out of places because he has learned to be stealthy even though he is gigantic and monstrous in proportions. And I like that play between the two because so often, way, way, way too often when dealing with characters that are large, they're clumsy or stupid or oafish. And I think this goes back to being that kid in school that I was like, six foot tall by the time I was 10. I sprung up like a weed. And yes, there was some clumsiness that came along with that because my legs were never quite the same length two days in a row for a long time. So it took a, a while for me to figure my body out. But there are a lot of assumptions that go into being that really tall person in the group that I've never subscribed to or liked associated with me. And I think I've put a lot of those ideas into Akato that he 
does not play the way a lot of other characters would, given his size, proportions, and uh, species. Because this is the other thing that I really want to play with in here, is I don't like monolithic species. I don't like monolithic species. I'm going to say that one more time. I don't like monolithic species. Now, it's fine to have a trait that goes throughout your species. So, the, like in Star Trek, Vulcans are logical. But seeing the difference in logic between Spock and T'Pol and Tuvok and how they interact with that idea of the their logical, rational mind. I, I'm fine with that. You can see the variation. And eventually you get there with the Klingons and stuff like that too in Star Trek. But it's really easy to just be like, this species is all this one thing. And that's such a cliched racist way of writing science fiction and fantasy that I don't want to go there. And so I, I'm really trying hard not to go there. And a character like Hikado is going to help keep me from doing that because of the way he perceives the world because he is seen as different and the way others will react and treat him I also think you're going to love Thinkwin and Swan but I'm not going to do a special breakout on them because I'm just going to save them for the story when you actually get to meet them because oh they are my heart they are my heart they are my heart they are my Laurel and Hardy they are my R2 and C3PO if they were lethal killers that could just destroy you with the barest motion of their body. And I love that. So now that the first chapter is out in the world and y'all can see it, and I've promised that more is coming. What is the process by which these stories are going to be released? Now, I'm going to break some hearts here, and I am not going to commit to a release schedule. And I'm doing that for two reasons. One, I know myself, and I know how I stress out. Like, just recording this, I am having so much pain in my shoulders and neck that I can barely hold my head up right now. And it's all stress-related. It's all anxiety, because I don't feel comfortable doing this. But that's why I am doing it. I have to get these stories out into the world or they will never see the light of day. And I, I just, I know myself. If I tell you that every week I'm going to be releasing a new chapter, that is the quickest way for me to freak myself out to not be able to get some work done. I will say it will not be years between chapters. It will not be months between chapters. They will come out at a fairly regular basis and that will become a lot clearer for those of you who watch my live streams, because you will see me working on this story a lot more, because it really is where my mind is right now. It really is where my heart is right now. So I'm going to be working on it a lot more. So if you see me in chat during other people's live streams or on camera during mine, that's probably going to be this story or it's ancillary materials that I'm working on. But that's the other thing that I'm really excited about this is the ancillary materials. I am publishing this version of the story on World Anvil, which means that I am going to be also posting articles of my world building alongside it. So what you'll be seeing is as the story gets written, I will be tagging 
characters and species and artifacts and locations with art to articles. I'll be connecting them. They'll be linked and you'll be able to go through the story and see them. You'll also just be able to go to the Baron's End world and see them there. So this is going to be a much more involved process. So while the chapters will be coming out as they're coming out, there will be much more material coming along with it. And that part will speed up as the process goes on, because as I write, after I write the article on the coffrage in, all I have to do is, you know, link it from that point on and it's there. And the same thing with most of the characters, but I am going to need to be getting this written. And so you're going to be seeing me do that as well. But hopefully you'll be getting a couple chapters a month. That's the goal. I'm saying two to four chapters a month of the story. And I'm going to try to hold to that. But I'm not going to be any more specific than that. So I don't overly stress myself and cause myself not to be able to continue to write. So yeah, that's Dance the Ghost. That's Shatter Me. And I hope you're as excited about this as I am. I'm really excited. I know you probably don't sound like it. And that's the stress. That's the stress that's weighing me down. But I, I, I really hope that you all have fun with it. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like me to address on the show, in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Please keep it short and clean. I think they cut you off at one minute, so bear that in mind. I would love to hear from you. If you would like to actually have one of your stories included on this podcast, send it to me at charlie at dashpunk.com, an audio file of it no longer than five minutes. And if it's just like noise chirp because you sped it up to five minutes, I'm not going to listen to it. So I'm not going to slow it down. I'm not, this not going to be through the habit. So send them in. I would love to hear from you. There's some more in the hopper that will be coming shortly. If you have any money, I'm always bad about this part. If you have any money and you'd like to, I don't know, alleviate yourself of it and send it my way down in the show notes, you will find a link to listener support my Patreon and my coffee account. And thank you so much to everybody who does that. It means the world to me. I, 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 I am still shocked and amazed anytime somebody like sends me money. So thank you. Thank you. You really do mean the world to me. If you have any, if you don't have any money right now, or you don't, don't feel like giving, that's perfectly all right. But please consider sharing anything that I do that helps out much more than you know. And that's it for today. I'm going to get back to work. So thank you for indulging me. And remember, as we always say, Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, say her name. And may you have the courage to ride your dreams into reality. And don't forget to have the fun. Bye.